Amen. He's alive. I, uh, I asked Randy uh, how to sign, he is risen, uh, so I'm going to try it here. And the kids, you know, I'm going to maybe have you guys help me out here. So he, the letter H like this, so do your fingers like this, and then the letter E, so do that, he, and then risen, like a little guy upside down, and then bloop, right up in your hand, he is risen. All right, let's all get together, ready? He is risen. He was dead, he's alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes you learn things that's through sign language maybe that you can't communicate through words. He is risen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. And we are, believe it or not, going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning. So, Uh, Please be turning there, Matthew chapter 28, and as you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Forever, God is a word that uh, we cannot wrap our minds around. Forever is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Because of what Jesus accomplished coming to earth, living a sinless, perfect life, dying as an innocent man and conquering death as he rose again, uh, he will be exalted forever and ever and ever and ever as he deserves the name that is above every name. One day every knee will bow and heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of you, God, our Father. And we praise you. We thank you uh, that we get to have a date on our calendar to celebrate the resurrection every year on this Easter Sunday and make a big deal about it, God. And I, but I do pray uh, that our celebration of the resurrection wouldn't stop on Easter, wouldn't stop on Monday, um, that we would live lives that are celebrating what has taken place, not just in Jesus, but through Jesus in our hearts as well. So Lord, to that end, I pray that you are glorified in the preaching of your word this morning. Uh, Just be big, God, Uh, me small and you big. And um, I pray that uh, the gospel is clear, Lord, and I pray if there's anyone here this morning maybe who doesn't know Jesus truly, I pray that they would hear uh, your word and they would believe and be saved. We pray in Jesus' mighty, powerful, risen name. Amen. There's a lot of uh, excitement in here this morning. Uh, There are probably, when I think about uh, places where excitement lives, there's probably uh, no greater excitement to be found than a a 10-year-old boy uh, getting on a cruise ship who's about to go on a cruise. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise. I went on a cruise as a kid, and uh, boy, there was nothing like walking up to that giant ship and like all the possibilities of what the week was going to be, uh, all the adventures that you're going to have out on the open seas, right? And then you walk around the ship, and you see like the basketball court and the rock climbing wall and the foosball table and the pool, and uh, you're like, this is going to be amazing, right? And then you find out the greatest news that any 10-year-old boy could ever hear 
and it almost makes your mind explode. You have access to a 24-7 soft-serve ice cream machine. <laughs> oh my goodness. I never want to leave, right? That's what I was thinking. At least I want to live here forever. Here's the thing, on that, on that first day, I remember uh, being on the cruise ship and so excited, and you move into your room, and you don't care that you have to, like, take a shower in a phone booth, right? It doesn't matter. It's going to be amazing, and you get in your room, and then right when you're about to go and get your swimsuit on and do all the excitement, it's kind of like, well, wait a second, hang on, we, uh, we got to do this emergency drill, right? And so everyone has to go, and you get your life jacket, and you go, and you, like, uh, you know, like cattle, you're kind of walking around, and they have you stand right in the line in the right spot, and they walk you through, you know, if there's a fire, if there's this, if there's that, if the ship's going down, this is the spot you come to, and we're all going to get on the lifeboat and go to safety. You're like, yeah, 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 like, okay, like, your mind is not there, right? What's your, your mind is on the ice cream and the soda and all the other things that you're going to do, right? It's like, if the, if the ship's going down, I'll worry about that later. And uh, you know what? For, for a lot of my life, I kind of thought that this was how uh, Christianity kind of worked, actually. That the world was kind of like a giant sinking cruise ship with a lot of cool stuff on it. But Jesus was like the lifeboat that would get me off of that sinking cruise ship and take me to heaven and if I believed in Jesus, well, then I had my ticket to get on the lifeboat. Now, the lifeboat wasn't very much fun. They didn't bring the soft serve ice cream machine onto the lifeboat. But if I didn't get on, and I was going to sink on this ship, so yeah, it looks fun, but you don't want to be on that. You want to be on the lifeboat because the lifeboat's going to take you somewhere better where you'll be saved and, uh, and, and, and live forever, and you don't want to... Um, be stuck on the ship. And if I'm like really honest, I've kind of always had a problem with that vision of the world. I mean, for one, if the only thing that matters in the whole world is just getting a ticket to the lifeboat, then like nothing on the ship matters, right? There's a lot of great things on the ship, but none of it matters. Ultimately, it's all going to sink and die, and, and uh, you just got to have a ticket. And then second, if the only thing that matters is if I have a ticket, then truly, how I live doesn't really matter. Like, I know there's rules about how you're supposed to act on the lifeboat. You do this, you don't do this, but I mean, who cares, right? If you're on the lifeboat, who cares? <laughs> Anything else? Following me? I know I'm kind of massively mixing my metaphors here, worse than usual, but what I'm saying is it feels like the Christian story, I want you to hear this, it has to be more. There has to be more to it than just do I have a ticket or not. And, and it is. This lifeboat story is not the story that the Bible tells. The biblical picture of the world is not a sinking ship that needs to be abandoned. I want you to follow me with this. The main question of the Bible 
is not, how can I escape this broken, dying world and get to heaven? The main question of the Bible is this. How is heaven going to come and fix this broken, dying world? See, the biblical picture of the world is that it's broken and it needs to be fixed. It's actually a lot closer than than the sinking ship analogy. A better analogy is how C.S. Lewis describes the world and when Lucy's walking through the wardrobe into Narnia for the first time. Always winter, but what? Never Christmas. Maybe you've heard that before. It's always winter. Now, literally, it feels like that in Indiana sometimes, right? And today is like the day that the sun is finally shining through, Lord willing. And it will probably have snow on Tuesday, I don't know. But it feels always winter. But I'm not talking about literally always winter. But the reality of our world is, is death and pain and hardship, and sickness, and hurt, and betrayal, and addiction, and killing, and hatred, and racism, and poverty, and injustice, and that is the world of winter that we live in, and I could go on and on, but here's the thing, with as much that is wrong with the world, as much as we all feel that reality of the world of winter, there's also these times when you can just get a glimpse of a world that could be different, right? Seeing your child take their first steps, falling in love, eating a delicious meal, listening to beautiful music, watching Christian Watford hit a last second shot against Kentucky. Sorry, Aaron, that one was for you. Watching a combine at sunset, like the perfect Indiana fall evening, right? It's like, man, it's a glimpse of heaven right here. But as soon as you get that glimpse, am I wrong here? You get a glimpse of heaven, and then it's boom, it's right back to the cold, dark, always winter, never Christmas world that we live in. And so there's a question I want you to think about this morning. And it's not this, okay? The question I don't want you to be thinking about is, do you want to believe in Jesus so that you can go to heaven? That might be a shocking thing to hear from your pastor on Easter Sunday. But that's not the question I want us to think about this morning. The question I want you to think about is this. What do you think is true of the world? Do you believe that the world is hopeless and this winter reality that we live in is going to be forever? Or do you believe that heaven actually came to make it right? That even though all signs point to winter right now, summer's coming. That is the question that is the most compelling to me. Because I can see these glimpses all around of how beautiful this world can be, but it's winter. And if someone can actually fix everything that's wrong with the world, if there's someone who can thaw the winter, if there's someone who can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, I think I would fall at that person's feet and offer that person my entire life. 
So does that person exist? I mean, it's Easter. Come on, I'm a pastor. What do you think I'm going to say? Yes. (laughs) I'm glad you asked. I'm pretty sure that heaven came to earth. Over 2,000 years ago, there was this baby born in Bethlehem. And that baby came with a heavenly host announcing he was Emmanuel, God with us. And that baby grew up and he started announcing something crazy. The kingdom of heaven is here. The way things are up there, which is how everything is supposed to be, has now come crashing down to earth. And then to prove it, what does he do? He starts doing all the things that the prophets promised would happen in the kingdom of heaven. He gave sight to blind people. He made paralyzed people walk. He cleansed lepers. He made the deaf hear. He raised the dead. And he preached good news to the poor. This is crazy. If you were alive back then, you'd be getting together with your friends over like hummus and olive oil or whatever, I don't know, and it'd be like, oh my goodness, is, is this really him? Is the kingdom really here? Is, is summer really coming? For the very first time in a very, 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 very long time. When Jesus came to earth, there was real hope. Real hope. Hope that all the pain and sickness and death and destruction that make up our world might actually one day melt away like the snow. And then that hope And all the excitement and expectations and anticipation that came with every wave of the palm branch as Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. Hail the king of the Jews. Hail the one who's going to bring summer. That hope was put on trial for blasphemy and found guilty and sentenced to death and nailed to a cross. And buried in a tomb. What happened? He was the one who was going to fix everything. He was going to, the one who was going to make winter go away. He was healing all these people. He was doing these amazing miracles. He taught like no one had taught before. I mean, there was a storm, and he said, storm, stop, and the storm stopped. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. What is happening? Dead. Think about how his followers must have felt. Surely they would have been thinking, at any moment, he's going to get out of this. I mean, I saw him feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread a couple of times. (laughs) He's arrested. Surely he's going to get out of this. He's whipped. I don't know what's happening, but but surely he's going to get out of this. And he's mocked. The crown of thorns placed on his head. Surely 
any moment, Jesus is going to get out of this and make it stop. Then a nail went through his wrist. And then another. Then through his ankles. And he hung on the cross. Jesus, aren't you going to get out of this? But he never did. He just died. And that was it. And all of that hope, that hope that said winter's here but summer's coming, the best hope they had. I mean, you think about the Old Testament, you think about the people one after another after another who came with differing amounts of hope that the kingdom was going to be here. And then they failed over and over and over and over again. And Jesus never failed. But he died. And that was it. And that hope was dead. And I say that to say this. That you might be in here this morning and your hope might be dead too. It's a lot easier to not hope. It's crazy to hope. The world has been one way since the garden and the fall. And we've never seen anything different. It's been winter. It's easier to not hope. Hope is kind of stupid. The world is cruel. Everything is just like it always has been. Get used to it. Bundle up. Put your coat on. Winter's never going away. You might as well just make the best of it while you can. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say you're, you're in the right place. And I want you to listen very carefully to what happened next. Now we're going to look at verse 1 of Matthew 28. After hope had died. Now after the Sabbath, day of rest, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. All right, there's a couple things I want to stop here and notice. First of all, uh, what gender is represented here? It's the ladies. Where are the men? Hiding in a locked room, according to John chapter 20, uh, because they thought they were next, right? That was how these things happened. There's an insurrection. You get the leader first, and then you get his right-hand men. And so they are terrified. And so the male disciples are cowering in a room, and uh, Jesus' female followers are not. So we'll just... I don't know what to do with that. I'll just take notice of that, right? They're on their way to see the tomb. Why? Why are they going to the tomb? It wasn't because they thought he might be alive. Nobody thought he would be alive. He was dead. They saw it. Dead people stay dead. They went to the tomb because they loved their friend, and they were willing to risk it. Because even though he died a criminal's death, death, they were going to anoint him with burial spices and, and give him a proper burial because they loved their friend. So that was why they were heading to the tomb. Uh, but that's not what happened. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the so stone and sat on it, the stone of the tomb. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. Look at this. This angel comes, 
looked like lightning, whatever that means, right? And he comes to earth, he lands somewhere, walks to the tomb, rolls the stone away. Jesus is not in there. He doesn't roll the stone away so Jesus can get out. He's rolling the stone away to demonstrate something. And then he sits there, and these guards, I love the description of the guards, verse 4, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now think about these guards for a second. The guards were put there because the leaders remembered, didn't Jesus say something about how he was going to raise from the dead? His disciples are probably going to try to capitalize on that. And so they're going to probably go and steal the body and then tell everyone, look, he's, he's alive. And so let's put some guards there and seal up the tomb just to make sure that doesn't happen. And if you're a guard, you're like, I mean, I am not uh, the, the personality or disposition of a kind of person like this, but you know, or maybe you are this kind of person, you're like, let's go. <laughs> this is why I was put on this earth for this moment. You disciples want to come and get this body? Bring it on, right? Burly men, I imagine. And then what happens? This angel comes, boom, they pass out. They're so afraid. <laughs> and who doesn't pass out? The ladies, right? And you're like, amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's what the text is showing me. I don't know what to do with it. But the ladies are braver than the disciples who are hiding in the locker room. And they're braver than these guards who pass out at the sight of this angel. And they don't. It's amazing. Look what the angel says, verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Don't you be afraid. In the Greek, like as in they're afraid, but you don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I, I know why you're here. You came to see the body of your friend. You're looking for a dead guy. Well, here we go. Now the story's about to turn. There's no dead guy here. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Remember? Remember how he said he was going to raise for the dead? And maybe you all thought it was like a metaphor or a parable or something, but he was just telling you what was going to happen. He raised from the dead. Come, look, look, look. I, I rolled the this, this stone away for you. Look right in here. He's, he's not in there. He's alive. Verse 7, then, go quickly. And tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And then the best part, guess what? He, Jesus, is going before you to Galilee. There you will what? See him. See, I've told you. You're going to see him. You don't have to take my word for it. You are going to see him for yourself. Can you imagine how they felt? No, is the answer. <laughs> No, you can't. I can't. But we actually don't have to wonder how they felt. Verse 8 tells us, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Let's think about that for a second. Fear and great joy. This is not two emotions, fear and great joy. This is one emotion. It's not, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid, but I'm also happy. This is fear joy. We don't have a word for this. I wish we did. You ever felt fear joy in your life? Probably, actually. Uh, you ever gotten married? <laughs> Wedding day? I mean, come on. I remember standing up at the front. He's coming down. 
my knees are knocking together. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is really happening. This is really happening. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Like, like I shouldn't be allowed to get married. Like, what's, what's even happening? Right? You ever had a kid? You ever, dads, you ever, you know, caught your child? Cut the umbilical cord? Owen's adopted, so we got to meet him on the, the, the day one, the first day, he was one day old, and uh, boy, that feeling of walking into that hospital room, you know what I felt? Fear, joy, <laughs> so happy, and, and terrified. Dads, you ever walked your daughter down the aisle? Oof. Some of you haven't yet, and that makes you sick just thinking about it, right? Fear, joy. We've all had these moments in our lives, and it's a moment of this. this is what every time it's this. All my dreams are coming true, and nothing about my life can ever be the same, and I don't even know what possibly is going to be ahead for me. That's fear, joy, and that's what they felt. And honestly, if Jesus is alive and you actually encounter him, that's what it feels like. Fear joy. If the Son of God really came and rose from the dead, your life will never ever be the same. And all the greatest things you can imagine of the world, about the world are actually true, in spite of what it looks like right now. And so what happened to Mary and Mary? Did they see Jesus? Uh, They did. Sooner than they thought. They're running back from the tomb, and look what happens next. Verse 9. Again, it's just so understated. I love this. And behold, Jesus met them. When Matthew says behold, it's it's like the word look. He's like saying, like, look into this right now and think about this moment. Look. See it. Jesus met them right there. The Son of God risen. He, he was dead, and he's alive now. And the greatest event in human history has just taken place. And then Jesus opens his mouth, and he speaks to Mary and Mary. And I want you to hear the very first word that comes from his mouth. And the, after the most profound event has ever happened, Jesus says this, and I'm going to give you the mic translation here, but I think this really gives the thrust of what happened. Behold, Jesus met them and said... Hi. <laughs> Hi. Greetings. We don't say greetings to each other, right? It's, so it sounds weird to us. So greetings, right? That's not, it's not like an alien. That's just the word for high. Jesus met them and he's, he said, Hi. Don't you love that? And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, you know, you know the ones that are locked in the room right now? Go and tell them to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I don't know where you're running this morning. Maybe like Mary and Mary, you heard that Jesus was alive, and you wanted to run to meet him. But maybe you're more like Thomas, who doubted until he saw for himself. And so whatever the reason is, my prayer is that Jesus will reveal himself to you and that he will 
tap you on the shoulder and say, hi, it's, it's me. I'm alive. And my prayer is that you'll do what Mary and Mary did, that you'll fall at his feet and worship him with a heart full of fear and joy because your world will never be the same. You remember I told you at the beginning of the sermon, the main question of the Bible is not, how can I escape this broken, dying world and get to heaven? The question is, how is heaven going to come and fix this broken, dying world? And the answer is the un- most unlikely way imaginable, that the Son of God came to earth and was born as a baby and suffered and died and rose again. And he's ruling and reigning now forever and ever. And so when he comes to you, catch this, please. Because I think we picture Jesus wrong and his mission wrong. He's not coming to you like some kind of like cheesy salesman in a bad suit. Like, hey, man, you want to get a ticket to heaven? I'm running a real special right now. I, you just got to say this magic prayer and boom, it's yours, right? And then you get to go to heaven. That is not Jesus. He's asking you something so much more profound. He's asking, do you want to be a part of my kingdom right now? He's asking, do you dare to believe that this world of winter is someday going to thaw? And that's hard to believe. Do you dare to believe that I have the power to make everything right again, even though it sure doesn't look like it right now? Do you want to participate in my kingdom right now as a new kind of people, a resurrection kind of people who, like Jesus, have died and been raised to life, not literally, but spiritually? Do you want to rule on earth with me, Jesus asks forever, in the kingdom of heaven? Or do you want to continue in the domain of darkness that you're currently living in? Jesus came into our world of winter and he burst forth from the grave and everything has changed. It's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I look around and I still see a whole lot of winter. But I can promise you this because Jesus promised you this. Summer is coming. And when the women heard the news of Jesus' resurrection, they ran away with fear and joy because they knew the world would never be the same. And when they saw him, they fell at his feet and worshipped him because they knew that they would never be the same. So run to him right now with fear and great joy because he's alive and your world will never be the same. So fall at his feet and worship him. Winter's still here for a little while, church, but summer's coming because he's risen and he's coming again. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, these truths are too great for our words. And were it not for your spirit, we could not understand them. Lord, I pray, give us a greater love, a greater understanding, a greater joy, a greater fear, a greater delight, a greater satisfaction in Jesus. 
Lord, if there are those who do not know, who have not yet encountered the risen Savior, I pray, Jesus, that by your Spirit, you would tap them on the shoulder and say, Hi, I'm here. It's me. Let's live forever in this kingdom together. Like I designed it originally. It's not supposed to be like this. Not supposed to be all this winter. I'm going to fix it. Trust me. Follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. So, Lord, if there are some who don't know you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would believe, and upon their belief, receive eternal life, not to get out of the sinking ship that is this world, but to participate in the kingdom and long for its consummation when Jesus comes to make everything right. We praise you. Jesus, come quickly, we pray. His precious name, amen.